By listening to the Conscious Fertility Podcast, you agree to not use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Consult your own physician or healthcare provider for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast. Welcome to Conscious Fertility, the show that listens to all of your fertility questions so that you can move from fear and suffering to peace of mind and joy. My name is Lauren Brown. I'm a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine and a clinical hypnotherapist. I'm on a mission to explore all the paths to peak fertility and joyful living. It's time to learn how to be and receive so that you can create life on purpose. Today on the Conscious Fertility Podcast, I have Dr. Julia Mossbridge. And she's an affiliate professor in the Department of Biophysics and Physics at the University of San Diego. She's also a fellow at the Institute of Noetic Sciences, principal consultant for the Blue Sky Task Force at the California Institute for Integral Studies. She is the co-founder of the Institute for Love and Time. I don't know what this is about, but that got me really curious. And she's also the founder of the Mossbridge Institute and an author and co-author of multiple books and scientific articles that relate to time travel, artificial intelligence, and not surprisingly, unconditional love. Her PhD is in communication sciences and disorders. Her MA is in neuroscience, and she was awarded her BA in neuroscience with the highest honors. So Julia, welcome to the Conscious Fertility Podcast. I think I want to start with just for our audience. Our audience is here because they've heard something about consciousness work and how it can help with their reproductive health. But I thought even before we go there, I need you to kind of describe a little bit about your background, what these institutes are, like the Noetic Sciences, the California Institute for Integral Studies, Institute for Love and Time. And I don't know how, but I think somewhere we're going to just kind of find our way and show how this all helps people feel whole and complete and how this can possibly help with their uh, journey of growing their families. Uh, yeah, so it's true. I specialize in working with organizations that um, when you hear the name, you go, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly, what? <laughs> <laughs> what are they doing? <laughs> yeah, that's always, I guess, been my personality. You know, I'm very scientific. And, and we like that because there's so much out there and almost fluff around consciousness yeah. and uh, and time travel and mediumship. And what I saw when I met you and seen the books and the articles you bring rigor to this, like science to this. So can you just briefly, like the noetic sciences, what's that about your role, the California Institute for Integral Studies, and then your institute, the Mossbridge Institute, and the Institute for Love and Time. Can you kind of just give us a little intro of what those are? Yeah, totally. So the, the but was, when I said I'm very scientific, but the but was, but a lot of people are trained through how we are taught science to believe that anyone who's studying anything other than sort of the physical world as we decide it is, is not being scientific. So I am very scientific in the sense of using the scientific method and what I am applying the scientific method to, and this is sort of the touchstone for all of the organizations I work with, what I'm applying the scientific method to is the inner space, is the human potential and the powers that we have that are underexplored because they're considered potentially false, fake, taboo, or um, wrong. And so I'm all over that. <laughs> and so let me, and I will go into each of those organizations now, but I just wanted to sort of highlight that that's the touchstone. And, and because of our timing, we, we, like I said, we'll jump around here and there. 
you talked about this human potential. So in your research, do we have human potential? And what are you seeing then in your research from what you're doing? Yeah, so human potential is sort of a, a blanket term for where positive psychology can take us. So positive psychology is this idea that actually it's a really valuable thing to try to understand not just how people could survive and feel better and recover from trauma, which is all very important. And recovering from trauma is near and dear to my heart and my work, especially with TILT, the Institute for Love and Time. And we're also about, and I am also about, understanding how people could thrive. And part of thriving is really understanding like what, what parts of our tool belts are we not using right now because we don't think they exist, right? And so, one of them is precognition, the, the ability to perceive, accurately perceive future events. We, we sort of think that there's like Manifest, if you've seen Manifest, the series on Netflix, which I'm a fan of, speaks exactly to precognition and the callings that people get about future events and seeing their own death, etc. It doesn't necessarily speak to it in a scientific way, but people are fascinated with this because for thousands of years, people have had this experience, right? Another similar sort of human potential piece is the capacity to manifest. So, the capacity to mind over matter interactions, to use your mind to support different shifts in reality. For this audience, that's obviously really interesting, but so is the precognition piece, right? So, some people have a premonition that they'll never have a child, or they have a premonition that they will have a child. And these things are very important to explore, and you have to be very careful with them because there's a lot of weight that people put into these. And there's the scientific component and the psychological component, and it's a whole thing. So, that's part of what that I do with, with my research at Mossbridge Institute. So, let's start there. That's a consulting company where I basically try to write grant proposals for different organizations to work into the science of largely precognition or train people in different organizations or government agencies, what have you, about how to have better intuition, how to have better precognition, how to help that, to use that to help inform their thinking so that they can use cutting-edge thinking to make good decisions. That's what Bosbridge Institute is about. What Tilt the Institute for Love and Time is a nonprofit that is about helping people move through trauma recovery and move towards thriving, getting to a state of unconditional love for themselves and others, and scaling that using technology. So, for instance, right now we have a technology called Time Machine. Uh, you could go, everyone can use it, it's free. It's at timemachine.love. We did a study with 96 people over, I think, 25, 26 days to see if it could actually help people who had trauma move through that and move to a state of better well-being. Uh, you can read more about that at timemachine.love if you want to get into the science of it. But what that's about is the reason we call it Time Machine is it's about connecting with yourself over time. So, forgiving your past self for everything, loving your past self for everything, and then connecting in a positive way with your future self so your future self can guide you. People seem to love it, who use it, and who stick with it. Those are largely people who are working through something or have a hope about the future that they want to put into. We have something called a hope garden, an app where you could put a hope for the future in and you can water the garden and everyone can look at it if they want, or you can keep it private. But we're working right now with the Department of some folks who are related to the Department of Defense to try to use this app to help veterans uh, to move through PTSD. We're also looking at communities of addiction recovery. It'd be interesting to look at communities of fertility, uh, to create a community on there of people who are looking towards fertility. So th this is 
this is the kind of thing that, that Tilt does is create technology to, to make those changes. Well, I want to ask a little bit about this, uh, the, the time machine and, and Tilt. And again, that stands for? The Institute for Love and Time. Okay. Well, because you brought up trauma and so many of the women that have worked with, talked with, they start to call their journey like I have fertility stress or fertility trauma. So whether it's uh, just a, a cycle where you, you get your period and you're not pregnant, a failed IVF cycle or a miscarriage, right? Or even you know further down trauma, stillborn. And so there's a lot of trauma from the fertility journey. And then a lot of them discover that they have trauma from childhood, earlier ages as well. And it seems now at the time of us recording this, there's just so many talks and books out there on trauma. Like Gabor Mate just released his book, The The Myth of Normal. And we often talk, you talk about manifestation. There's the, some people talk about baby manifestation. They want to bring in this baby. And you talked about the premonition it can be heavy. So you got to be careful or pay attention to that. And I like this idea of this time machine where you're taking up a relationship with your past, forgiving your past. Because when we have this stress or this trauma in the body, it's held in the cells, I see it as it creates resistance in the body. And when you have resistance, we call it chi stagnation in Chinese medicine, you have a lack of flow and receptivity of allowing, which I imagine prevents manifestation. That's just me thinking about it, but you're doing research on it. So I kind of wanted you to talk a little bit more about this idea of unconditional love for self and and how this can help us with our trauma. And what do you think would, how this would help with people that are just looking for healing or baby manifestation or manifestation of anything? I'm just curious because I'm intrigued by this time machine uh, website, timemachine.love. And I'm opening it up now as we're chatting. And I love how, you know, relaxing, you know, getting the body, mind relaxed, you know, you're nursing your hopes, you're talking about this on the site. Can you kind of give us some of your sciencey stuff, your geeky stuff that what you're noticing and, and what people or what kind of transformations happen for these people? So the key activity that we tested on the site is the time machine part itself. And that's what the, why that's even called time machine is because the actual activity of that time machine part of the time machine app is you re- simple. So you're given a prompt. You can choose to work on your past, present, future, uh, random location and time or no prompt. But most people like to like to choose a prompt. You're given a prompt to answer a question verbally out loud using your voice and to speak into your phone. I'm not doing this because I'm usually using a phone, but you can do it on a computer. It's a website. And you have one minute to address it and then you save it and it sends it off into time. And then the next day you get a notification saying, hey, you got a message from your time machine. And 100% of people, as far as I can tell, don't remember what they said the previous day. They think they're going to remember and they think it's silly. And then when they get the message in their email box, they're like, what? What did I say? And that's part of it. And so there's this thing that we do in life, and this is going to get super profound really quickly, but, but I think this gets to the nugget of the answer to your question. There's a thing that we do in life where we, we say, I existed yesterday. Of course I existed yesterday. Of course I existed last week. I have memories from it. You know, I have a picture that I took or seven pictures I took and put on Instagram or whatever. But we don't actually believe it in some kind of a core way. And so there's a feeling of like always trying to get everything all at once because now is the only moment that matters, right? So that's a very difficult feeling compared to recognizing I have an entire lifetime. That is all me. I can think back to when I was three and I get to have that. I can imagine, you know, when I'm 60 and I get to have that. 
and that this is all me. Like, this is actually an expanse of time. It's long. And that I exist through all of it. From my birth to my death, I exist through all of it. And it's all me. And the response that people have when they hear their own voice, which is very different than writing something down, because the voice is the center of the body. You use all the muscles from your crotch all the way up to your jaw. And the, and the crotch and the jaw are super involved in the whole fertility process, right? All the way up the body, that's the core of who you are. So when you hear your voice, you can hear, oh, God, I sound so stressed. Oh, I hate my voice, people say the first few times they listen. I sound so stressed. Oh, I wish I wouldn't talk like that. Oh, I didn't know what I was going to say. The criticism of your own body is profound. And so the first stage of this is working through that criticism and learning. So we just give them a simple prompt every time they come back to listen. And it says, see if you can love yourself when you listen. That's the only prompt we give. Because what happens is when people finally get to the point, and sometimes it doesn't take very long, and sometimes it takes a couple of weeks, get to the point where they love themselves, that's where the action happens. In terms of the sciencey part of this, the reason we know that is because we looked at the changes of what's called a balanced time perspective. So a balanced time perspective is necessary for well-being, just overall. A balanced time perspective is being able to look into the past and say, you know what, I was doing the best I could. Some things were hard, some things were nice, and now I'm in the present. To being able to take advantage of opportunities in the present moment, so you're not like off somewhere else, and having reasonable plans for the future that aren't so crazy that they're basically delusional, but at the same time, aren't so poverty mindset that they're depressing, right? So having positive plans and reasonable plans for the future, that's a balanced time perspective. It's a, a key indicator of well-being. And what we found is that people improve their time perspective as they use this over the 26 days. We, and we kind of knew that would happen because of the literature. What we didn't know is that what would mitigate that, what would actually cause the shift in well-being as a result of the shift in time perspective is unconditional love. So to the extent that they are able to have more feelings of unconditional love, that's what drove the change in well-being from the shift in time perspective. So I'm drawing this in my mind because there's this scientific term called a, a mediation analysis and you illustrate it in a triangle. And so at the top of the triangle is unconditional love because that's the causal agent. On the left side of the triangle, the sort of starting place is your balanced time perspective. And on the right side, the end point is this feeling of improved overall well-being. It's a powerful indication of the value of unconditional love as sort of an actor, as a not just a feeling people are having, not a response to something, but as an actor in the dynamics of well-being. And so that's the piece that was powerful to me. And this unconditional love is toward self. Let's talk about what unconditional love is. So, because <laughs> I'm talking about how awesome it is, but right. And, yeah. yeah. I want yeah. some of well, this. Well, it's, you know, <laughs> yes. It is the one thing that everyone wants. And if everyone had it, then there would be a lot less advertising dollars. <laughs> Honestly, seriously, like it destroys the economy in terms of people wanting things. <laughs> That's right. Because we're using the material world to fill ourselves up. And so I, I get what you're saying. So let's talk a bit about what this unconditional love is. And I hear people say, oh, I love something unconditionally, but I, I'm thinking you're talking about self-acceptance, unconditional love, and I'd love you to explore that a bit more. So the way I define unconditional love is as a combination, because if you actually experience unconditional love for yourself, 
you will all automatically, if it's actual unconditional love for yourself, you will automatically experience it for every single other thing and person on the planet and animal. The thing about it is it's unconditional. So if you're actually experiencing unconditional love, there's no for because that's a condition. I only experience unconditional love for my dog. Well, that's not unconditional love because you just put a condition on it. It has to be my dog, (laughs) right? So unconditional love is like, so the definition that I've been using lately, that's shorthand. We actually have an academic definition in our surveys that's been validated, but it's like a paragraph long and it's complicated. So what I'd like to say in shorthand is it is love for everything as it is without the need for anything to change everything. So what that means is it's love for the fact that you can't have a child right now, or the fact that you've had many miscarriages, or the fact that you still hope to have a child, or the fact that you're in an argument with your partner, or the fact that things are going horribly at work. All of these things, love for all of it. So it's a profound, profound shaper of attitude. I have so many questions around this, because in the conscious fertility work, we talk about accepting what is, loving what is, yeah. surrendering to what is, and we don't mean that you're resigned to it because people are going to say, no, I'm not going to love not having a child. I want a child. Just this is what is. Uh, Byron Katie, loving what is, always talks about like loving what is. It's not the situation that causes stress. It's your thinking about it. What you're saying, this unconditional love, being able to surrender and accept this is what is my experience now and being okay with it sounds wonderful and beautiful. The question I have is, do you have tools to help people get to that place? Because it's, I, I, I guess I'd like to be okay with everything, right? Yeah. It's not just okay. Well, I want to I be in love with it. Yes, love with it. It's great. It's perfect. So, yeah. Because that sounds like pie in the sky. Like that's like heads in the clouds. I, to me. I hear you. And, and it sounds enlightened, like Nirvana, which I think we all want. No matter what's happening in the world, there's a war happening here or there's a, a pandemic here or somebody's doing something you don't agree with. How can you be in love with that? So can you share a bit? Because it sounds like you're fully awake and conscious enlightened. The way you're describing that is how I would, which I would love to experience. So I'm all ears. <laughs> okay. So let's back off a second from Nirvana and <laughs> okay. say that this is so that you could, you can, people have, and you can, and it's very rare, but it's, it's possible. And people are studying how to get more people there. And I'm one of those people. You can be in a, I'm not one of the people who are in this state all the time. I'm one of the people who are studying how to get in this state all the time. But there, you can be in this state all the time. But it does plenty of good just to periodically feel this state. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's what I was measuring when I was saying that this shifts well-being is just, are you in the state right now? To what extent have you been in this state over the last couple of days? This kind of thing. And I get that because you're awake and you're unawake or conscious or unconscious. And even through my work, that's my experience there. And with the tools, you don't go unconscious as long and you you recognize it better and the suffering is less and you're just able to get there. Yeah, that's right. I'm curious of what kind of tools are you, do you, have you found to be helpful to help people kind of get out of the story and into that present moment where they are unconditionally in love with that moment? Well, so just notice your language, right? There's this thing about like, get out of the story. Well, actually, you can love the story. So like, so this is, we have this language in the human potential and consciousness movement that is slightly sort of subtly critical of the ego, of of our shadow self, of not being able to manifest whatever you want. You see, these are things we sort of reject because you're not, you're not advanced enough. You're not conscious enough. I call BS. I call this is how it works at being a human being. This is what is unfolding. 
including all the stuff that you don't like. And you have two possible responses to love everything or to choose things that you say, I like this. I don't like that. Right. And most people obviously do the, I don't like this. I don't like that. I'm selecting. I'm at the buffet and I'm like, I like this. I don't like that. Exactly. Definitely doing that. And the funny thing is the universe could care less. Like (laughs) the universe likes, thanks for visiting the buffet. Now we're going to deliver you something to your table that we thought of the chef special. (laughs) Ah! So, so it's different, right? Like that's everyone's experience is that it's different than that. At least everyone I know. And even the, the great teachers say this, right? How to get people there. There's two approaches that kind of go simultaneously. So one is to break down cognitively the resistance to unconditional love that includes some of the things you just mentioned. Like, well, how could you unconditionally love a war? How could you unconditionally love a rapist or a pedophile, right? Like, like breaking that down cognitively, what it really means and explaining what it really means and that it's not the same as saying, hey, I approve of your pedophilic behavior. It is not that, right? And so that's one approach. And a simultaneous approach that has to happen or else nothing changes is an experiential approach. So getting the mind involved is sort of like breaking down some of these blocks that you talked about in Qi. Essentially, the rational mind, because we believe that the rational mind controls us, you have to address the rational mind with some of this. Or, I mean, that's why, you know, there have to, there people write books about these things because it's speaking to the rational mind. The experiential piece is usually uh, without words and thus experiential more speaks to the intuitive mind and it has to come at the same time. And so the things I use there are things like brain entrainment audio. I use insight timer as a way to bring these kind of experiences to people. I think audio is really powerful. We've turned visual experiences often into ways to reach the rational mind and audio still because of music reaches the intuitive mind. And so I do a lot of audio sort of brain entrainment or nice feeling stuff to get people into the state where they can access some of this. So I think I have one audio called Access and Receive Unconditional Love and another called Accept and Relax or something. And these are on Insight Timer under my name. But another way to do it is through the mystical experiences that we already know exist in the world and that are available to us by simple things, by prayer, meditation, gratitude. I mean, these are simple things that forever, eventually, we know get people into this space if you keep doing them. And there's some studies on the, um, we'll talk about all these three, like gratitude. There are studies on how the brain changes from gratitude. Totally. I mean, it's amazing to me that we know, we already know how to get people into this state. And it's not a matter, it's not a matter of lack of knowledge. It's the better people doing it. And, and I think we should talk a little bit about what is the resistance to getting there. Uh, because that's really the issue. This is not rocket science. If you pray out loud every day for 15 minutes for, you know, the rest of your life, you're going to have much more experiences of unconditional love. Same with meditate. Same with gratitude writing. We know this. And I've heard um, for prayer, they call it the right way to pray, but they did it in a silly way. They don't mean to be like, it's the right way to pray, but prayer is about actually thanking as if you already have it. So it seems like it sounds like gratitude as well. So sometimes gratitude, you're thinking about what you can be grateful for, like, so what's happened already? And it was termed that prayer is being grateful for what you're expecting to come as if you already have it. So when prayer becomes basically like, I'm going to trick God into giving me the thing I want by using this mind trick where I talk about I already have it, it's distancing. Right. 
like, so if, if you're really praying rather than meditating, like if you're a religious person and you're really praying, what you're doing is you're talking to God. God, so I'm a religious person. I believe God knows my heart. It's not like this is anything I'm saying is news to God and I'm not going to be able to trick God, right? So like if I'm praying, it's going to be like, God, I'm really frustrated today because so-and-so did this and pissed me off, but you know, whatever. What do you think is going to, and, and then you're just like, have a conversation, right? Like, like if you're religious, you know, for most religious people who are actually could have a relationship with God, God knows more than anyone what's up with you. So you're expressing whatever is going on for you just out loud. And that's what prayer is about. But if you're really working on manifestation or intention, getting your intention in the world, and, and you're not a religious person, or you don't have a relationship with God, then make it, th- then you can always just write in a journal or say out loud, hey, universe or whatever, like, however you do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm acting as if I have this. The problem is that people feel like they get made wrong for it not working out. Like, oh, well, I'm doing all the intentions and I'm doing this and I really want it and da 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 da. Why am I not getting it? And the answer is because the universe cares a little bit about you, but you're not the only person in the universe, right? The answer is we don't get to control everything that happens. And that is an answer that is terrifying. But that is the answer that brings you to an aware, a feeling of unconditional love for what does unfold. Because it's the only response. When you go to a buffet and you say, I want this and this and this, and then you sit down and a waitress comes and brings you like 10 different things that you didn't order, which happens to everybody in one area of their life or another. So the unconditional love piece is about breaking down the resistance to recognizing like you have a little bit of say in what happens to you. That is true. Scientifically, it's a little bit of say. Like your intention matters a little bit, but you're not the one who knows like really what's the best for the universe or even you like <laughs> so do you think because i mean using the term god some people call it big c like big consciousness super consciousness this massive awareness that we are part of that works through us so is that how you're describing this is that you have an ego part of you and you're looking to manifest there's an ego part of you but there's another part of you that's really aware of the bigger picture and you are part of that you are part of the tool to manifest that, but your ego may not necessarily know what's best for the bigger picture. I'm trying to paraphrase what I think I'm hearing you say. Yeah, yeah. Well, so it's like when we identify ourselves with our egos, we're like the small us, right? That's the small us. So Wayne Lickerman, who's a wonderful teacher about this concept, which no one will ever go from your podcast and go watch him because Everyone hates what he says because he basically says, sorry, you don't have any control. But anyway, <laughs> and he teaches that we have this experience that we are this drop and there's this ocean and we're going to, we're the drop up here floating above the ocean and we're going to like tell the ocean what we want. And the ocean's going to be like, yeah, we've manifested this for you, you know? And the reality is we are part of the ocean. Like, and the waves are coming through us. And like, yes, of course we have wishes. And as one of the waves or one of the energetic rhythms of the ocean, of course we have wishes. And of course, sometimes we get those wishes. And sometimes that relates to when we pray for those wishes. But like, we're not the whole ocean, right? And this ego piece that wants to be separate, it's just incorrect about the nature of reality. And so the only response to recognizing that you're the ocean is unconditional love, because I'm like, that's the only sane response when you realize how little control you have. 
and but and I'm still not clear on how we can get there. I understand practice gratitude, practice some prayer, so take up a relationship with uh, something greater than yourself. God, consciousness, super consciousness, divine love. People have so many names for it. Um, meditation, gratitude, and prayer. I'm thinking of like our listeners, and and so they want this have a child so badly. And my dream is through conscious work that they get to a place, you're calling it unconditional love, they get to this place of awareness, of consciousness, of presence, where they're whole and complete, whether they have no child or have a child. Either way, they're at peace through conscious work. Because when if you're not there, like anybody listening that wants, you know, nobody wants to give up their desire. And I never invite anybody to give up their desire because you can't. You can't stop wanting what you want. You didn't choose to want what you want. <laughs> that's a way of moving through you. Yeah, that's that's right. And there's a reason why you have that desire. How would you help somebody that's looking for that peace? Because if somebody says, yeah, you know, you, you don't got much to say. You're just a drop. It's nice that you have a desire, but good luck to you. I know. So, but that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it's the human condition. And, and I love the human condition and you can get to a place where you love the human condition. And how do you get there is a journey that each person. So it's sort of like this thing where there's no good answer because for some person, they're going to wake up one morning and they're just going to have that experience. And then five minutes later, they'll be like, what happened? And then later in the day, they'll be like, wait, I had that experience again. For another person, it'll be 20 years and they won't have that experience, right? For one person, it's that they went to a kid's play and they saw the beauty in all of us, even the kid who peed his pants, right? And then for another person, it's because, oh, well, I'll tell you a story. I went to um, Jerusalem for the first time. I'm Jewish. I went to Jerusalem and I was standing at the Western Wall and it was Rosh Hashanah. So it's this holiday. It's a, it's a you know very holy day. And I'm standing at the Western Wall and I put my hands up on it as one does, I learned by watching other people, to connect with it. I pulled my hat over my my eyes and I just burst into tears because it came upon me without any control, this experience of unconditional love from the wall, right? It sounds insane, but it's a mystical experience that I had no control over and it changed changed my life, right? My experience was literally the, the Hebrew words that came into my mind, actually, totally, I just realized appropriate for this podcast, were the words that mean the wall of the womb. Like, this wall is like the wall of the womb of humanity. Like, this wall is the wall of the womb of consciousness, of love. There's no way, when you have experiences like this that take you over, there's no way to feel otherwise. You also don't have control. You also, that's what I'm saying, you also don't have control over the feeling of unconditional love. And so I get that you want people to be able to get there and they want to be able to get there. And the, so the practices that I suggest are things like from my book, The Calling, the, or the, the first like three weeks of practices are, or four weeks of practices are probably pretty good for this. And also the practice using the Hope Garden in the Time Machine.love app. But it's the sort of naming the desire and loving the desire itself. So I get that it, that there's this thinking that you should never say, I want this because it programs the universe to say that you're going to want it forever and you're never going to have it. And I, I've heard all that. I also call BS on that. I think, I think the universe is smarter than that. The universe knows that you want something and that you don't have it and you're suffering because you don't have the thing that you want. The universe is the one that gave you the desire to have the thing in the first place. It knows that you want the thing. <laughs> Right. And so I think what's really important is to be really clear 
about loving the desire. So it's like I do this practice, I suggest this practice in the book, The Calling, called the Yes Practice, where you meditate. And often when we meditate, we say no to things like, oh, that's just a thought. I'm going to push it to a side. I'm going to focus on my breath and focus on my mantra or focus on compassion. This is the opposite. This is, oh, I'm thinking about my cat. All right. Hi, cat. I say yes to you. Oh, I'm now frustrated because I'm not thinking about my cat. Oh, hi, frustration. I say yes to you. Oh, I really want to have a child and it's really bothering me and it makes me cry. I say yes to that. Hello. And you just keep saying yes to what's true rather than trying to push away what's true and make something else be true. And even if you can't do that, you say yes to that, right? So just truly observing everything that passes by with... Not just observing it, saying yes, yes to, to it. it. Okay. Like, so you have a thought of um, an evil thought. You have an evil thought about killing someone because you feel like they're horrible, right? Like our, we, our, main, our minds have these weird thoughts, right? So you say yes to it. You're not saying, yes, I'm going to kill that person. You're not saying yes to a behavior. You're saying, yes, I had that thought. I just had that thought. Now I'm letting it go. Here's the next thing. Yes. And then you can go from yes to loving them. Yes, I love that. I love that thought about killing that person. It makes me feel really good because <laughs> I'm really mad at that person. And now I'm letting it go. And the next thing comes. Part of the cognitive component that I have to work with, with people on this is that we believe that if we let ourselves have certain thoughts, that this will have negative consequences where it's sort of like the opposite. So many, many people have intrusive thoughts who have anxiety disorders. And so they'll have these thoughts that come up and that, oh no, it's, you know, I'm imagining I'm stabbing myself in the stomach with a knife or whatever the intrusive thought is, right? What, what we know works with intrusive thoughts is going, oh, so you have an intrusive thought of stabbing yourself in the stomach with a knife. Yep. You're having that thought. Your brain is miswired in some kind of way that it's making you have that thought. So, okay. There it is. Isn't that cute? It's, you're not going to stab yourself in the stomach with a knife, of course. But you had that thought. Now it goes. So you just dismiss it like, ah, it's misfiring of my brain. Like, it's fine. That's how I'm built, you know? Right. What you resist persists, right? When you, when you do that in this way, you're not giving it energy because you're just allowing it to, to pass by. It's not just allowing. It's, so this is the difference. It's not just accepting, allowing. It's loving. It's like, it's like recognizing. And what do I mean by that? It's recognizing that you have the power to love even the parts of you that you're, worried about or that are concerning to you. There's a part of you that's really okay. There's a part of you that's really okay. And it's not your ego, but your ego is a part that gets to be loved like a little kid that wants a lot of things, right? And needs a lot of things and asks for a lot of things and thinks it's in charge. But that gets to be loved too. But there's this bigger part that does the loving. So it's learning to identify with sort of the parent. It's like the ultimate loving parent that, of course, none of us ever had because 74% of it have been traumatized, which is why there's so many books about trauma, right? It's this loving parent who has absolute capacity to recognize, like, my child is developing. My child is in a development process. And the ego is like the child. So, how do you elicit this love for these thoughts and ideas? Because it's a two-part question. One is you said there's another part of you. It's all loving. What would you call that? Because that's your real self. That's the that's the only thing that actually exists. And the real self is that beyond your physical self. So does it exist? Do you believe it exists beyond your birth and death? Because I'm asking because we've had so many experts talk about the soul 
consciousness. Oh yeah, that's consciousness. Like that's like that's like the only thing that really exists is like the ocean, right? It's like the, the consciousness, the consciousness with a capital C. So you have that, like you that you can identify with that. That is like the part of you that exists, right? And then there's this other sort of personality stuff, yada yada yada. That's good. That's you need that to live in the world and pay your rent and and live. like that's those are important parts too. But they're like children to this parent part. And once you start to identify with that parent part, right? So how do I get people to do that? Let's do. Do you want to do a brief exercise right now? Really? Yeah, let's do an exercise. Yeah, because I was I was my curiosity was is it just intention? You just have to intend it and it happens, or is there something for that logical side of our brain that d- you have a practice to help elicit that love for that ego self or for that intrusive thought? Yeah, I don't nothing for the logical side of the brain, just ex- except for explanation of this is what has to happen. But the logical side of the brain doesn't have a lot of power. So the logical side of the brain is very tied to ego. It doesn't have a lot of power to change how you actually think. It thinks it does. So, you know, you just have to like let it know, like, this is what we're doing. And then you have to do things. So let's do something. Is this like a meditation? Should we put a little quick disclaimer if you're driving or somewhere, do this later? Are we closing our eyes or et cetera in this? Yeah, yeah. And we're going to do a little meditation. And it's going to be a very short version of something I have on Insight Timer. On Insight Timer, I think it's called Access and Receive Unconditional Love. Just we're going to do it here. So, yeah, go ahead and close your eyes. For our listeners, I just want to say that if you're in a place where it's not appropriate to close your eyes, like you're driving your car or you need to be alert, do not close your eyes. Save this for another time. I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah. We'll see you soon. <laughs> yeah, we'll see you soon. When you, when you hit the play button yeah. after you're in a safe place. Yes. All right. I'm, I'm ready okay. to go through this experience. So thank you for offering this. You could keep your eyes open or closed. Um, I would suggest uncrossing your arms and your legs because generally things are more open when your arms and legs are uncrossed. Yeah. A little vulnerable, but it's also helpful. So don't worry about the depth of your breath, but take a slow breath. So I'm going to count a slow breath. So let's do an inhale on one, two, three, four, and a hold. One, two, three, four, and an exhale. One, two, three, four, and a hold. One, two, three, four. Inhale, one, two, three, four, hold, one, two, three, four. Exhale, one, two, three, four. Hold, one, two, three, four. Okay, so now we'll go back to that, but you can breathe normally. And above your head, imagine a golden, glittery, glowing ball of light as big or as small as you want to make it. And that light represents and is, in your mind's eye, unconditional love that's made by the universe just for you. Literally with all of your physical, emotional, and spiritual needs taken into account, there's unconditional love in that ball that's just for you. So what we're going to do is put some holes in the ball to make it like a shower head. 
And it's going to rain down on top of your head and your shoulders. You could do that now. Let it rain down into your chest, inside your body, your belly, your butt, your legs, your feet, your arms, your hands. And notice that if the ball starts to get empty, all you have to do is say, hey, fill it up. And the universe fills it up. So it's an infinite supply of unconditional love coming down into your body, your cuticles, your hair, your eyebrows, your nose. All of the nasty bits that aren't really so nasty. All of your reproductive organs. All of the organs in your guts, your pancreas, your liver, your kidneys. Toenails, ankles, kneecaps, back of the kneecaps. And now, outside your body, imagine like you're sitting in an egg or standing. If you're standing, you're standing in an egg. And about a foot all the way around you, this egg that holds you, is starting to fill up with this unconditional love. And this unconditional love is not like water, so you're not going to drown. It's more like a gas. Like, let's say it's like oxygen, right? And it's just feeling all around you, about a foot around your body, so that you can feel comfortable kind of moving around in this egg that has all this golden, glittering, glowing light that's really made just for you. Keep doing that for as long as you want. And you can pause this and keep bringing that down until you feel like it's really everywhere. And if there are places that it doesn't quite hit or you feel like it can't, you can't get enough, just keep noticing that and pouring more love into that. And even love that you maybe weren't able to do the visualization at all. Maybe you couldn't see the ball. Maybe you couldn't bring it down into your space. Love that. And then next time you can try again. And love yourself for trying. And when you're all done, go ahead and open your eyes and go about your day. Thank you for that guided meditation. That was fun. Thank yeah, you. That was fun. It's were you able to see that and feel yeah, that? Yeah, I was able to. I visualized well. And, you know, the mind would go and then I'd come back to it. So, and yeah. being aware that something, part of me was hearing it all, all along, anyhow, even when I drifted a little bit. That's right. The drifting. This, I mean, we know that this is how attention works. It works in waves. So we know that you go in and out of attention, but there's some part of you that hears it all. And, and so I wanted to ask you this question now that I've had this experience with your meditation as well. Having so many experts talk about consciousness, um, the, the common thing is these like guided meditations, um, loving what is, and, um, and there's just practices. So meditation, guided meditation, breathing, it just seems that that's um, the way, one of the paths to get to this place of unconditional love. And so just checking with you, that's because people are like, what do I need to do? Everybody's saying it. They're, everybody's saying it. Prayer, gratitude, meditation, right? Make time for yourself, right? And, and the, the difficulty is that that is true on average. And then for each particular person, there will be a combination of things that gets them there. 
And so it's really each individual seeking out the combination of things and what works for them and what doesn't work for them and allowing themselves not to make themselves wrong for something that's supposed to work for them, not working for them. And I know as we wrap up here, just do you have any stories or things that you can share of people that have come to this conscious work, I'm calling it unconditional love. You talked about well-being where it wasn't only an internal shift, but they they either experienced healing or something has changed in their life. Are you aware of any stories that come to mind that people can use as an inspiration to do their work? That it's, because it's happened for other people, so maybe it can happen for me. I mean, my husband went through a double lung transplant and wasn't going to survive. He, his doctors called him the save of the century. And it's because he got in touch. I mean, I, my, I, what I believe is that it's because he got in touch. What he said between breaths was, I, I just realized I'm the flame. I'm not the candle. So because he got in touch with his identity as what is really real, which is this unconditional love, it got him through. He was able to observe the whole thing and to love the whole thing and get to the other side. And now he's been post-lung transplant for nine years. So that's an example. And I've heard many examples as we wrap up here where when people come to this place, as you said, they were the flame, not the candle, that they had this massive biological upgrade, like they had a spontaneous healing or a spontaneous... They they defied what we understand from Western medicine, Western science. It happens to some people and, to, and some people die. So, I mean, like, I, I think we, we got to be clear. Die with dignity, die with peace. I, we die with love. Die with love, right? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. we don't live for physically forever in, in the body, right? Right. There's a whole podcast on Inside Timer I did with Dr. Adam Risby about this whole topic. So that's something to look right. into. And then when we tie into the fertility, there's the having the baby, getting pregnant, having the baby, and and maybe not having a baby, yeah. not growing your family. And again, the love is there, so you're okay. Everything's okay. Everything's okay. All right. Julie, I want to thank you for joining us on the podcast. If people want to connect with you, we'll put it in the show notes, but where's the sites? What do you, where do you want to direct them to if you wanted them to find you on social media or website? How do they find more about you? If they want to learn about your books and your papers, et cetera. I am going to just have a conversation with you so you could put it on Perfect. your website because it's, There's a lot. I want them to have all the links. All right. So on the show <laughs> notes, we're going to put for the Institute for Love and the Mossbridge Institute and all the stuff that you want to find about Julia, her meditations. We're going. She's going to send those to me and then I'm going to put them in the show notes so it's easy and accessible. All right, Dr. Julie Mossbridge, thank you very much for sharing um, your stories, your research, and keep doing this awesome work that you're doing in our world. Thank you, Lauren. That was really fun. Talk to you later. All right. Bye now. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Conscious Fertility, the show that helps you receive life on purpose. Please take a moment to subscribe to the show and join the community of women and men on their path to peak fertility and choosing to live consciously on purpose. I would love to continue this conversation with you, so please direct message me on Instagram at Lauren Brown Official. That's Instagram, Lauren Brown Official. Or you can visit my websites, laurenbrown.com and acubalance.ca. Until the next episode, stay curious and for a few moments, bring your awareness to your heart center and breathe. 